fuck's happening? Oh, oh man. Oh, man, I shot Marvin in the face. Why the fuck did you do that? Well, I didn't mean to do it. It was an accident. Oh, man, I seen some crazy-ass shit in my time, but this, this, this... Welcome everybody, this is uh, Roomtone, the show that takes filmmaking's community to your ears. I'm Roger, your host. We are broadcasting from unceded masculine land here on CITR Radio 11.9 FM. For you, we talk movies because we love it. We have two guests here in the booth with us. They're going to discuss a little bit about their projects here and there, left and right, up and down, all over the place. So let me introduce to you guys... Nicolas Ayerbe Barona and Aaron Fry. How are you guys doing? Hello. Hello there. Yeah. The most dramatic introduction I've ever had in my life. <laughs> there you go. Goosebumps. I know. Rooton for you. Right on. Let's dive <laughs> right into it, guys. Right into it. First yeah, of all, for the it. people out there who don't know who you are, who are you? Uh, okay, well, I'm Nicolas Ayerbe Barona. I'm a filmmaker. Uh, I'm an uh, alumni from UBC, so super excited to be here at my Alma Matters radio station. So thank you so much. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm the producer of Cadence. Uh-huh. And I'm Arun Fryer. I'm a local filmmaker from Vancouver. Although I didn't attend UBC, I've shot a few films here. I'm a former graduate from Vancouver Film School, and I'm also the other uh, producer of Cadence. Uh, our director, Alex Lacheris, is unable to make it today, but a big shout-out to him. He's currently up in Golden, B.C., Beautiful. Uh, but he sends his love and his regards to everybody listening. Yeah. Beautiful. Woo! Okay, so Cadence. You said Cadence. You guys are the producers of Cadence. What is Cadence? Uh, okay. Well, Cadence is a psychological thriller film uh, about a farm girl called Cadence, uh, the eponymous character. And she's trying to have a romantic getaway with her boyfriend, who is a pop star. Hmm. Uh, his name is Taylor Lake. And as she's trying to have this romantic getaway, she's also trying to hide the fact that she suffers from some nightmares and dreams that are haunting her life and that are a little bit of unexplainable. Uh, Taylor brings his band, like his, um, his posse along, his friends along, for the romantic getaway, and that kind of sends her in a spiraling uh, of trying to figure out what's going on with her nightmares, with her reality, with her identity. Mm-hmm. So a um, movie that seeks, uh, seeks the definition of identity in a way. Pretty much, yeah. I think the movie is about identity, it's about trauma, it's about the way that we use our imagination to identify ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's kind of hidden behind the narrative of almost being a cheese ball. Um, 
cabin in the woods type of horror film, mm-hmm. but it's it, it's it's not a horror film. We don't play with the gore or uh-huh. anything like that. We play more with your mind. We were we really want to mess with your mind. That was that was right the intention. On. So, Aron, how did you guys get together to tell this story? Uh, I was first brought on board actually to be the AD assistant director. Uh, we shot 20 minutes of the film one year before we produced the rest of the film. And I'll be honest, uh, when we first shot it, I, I kind of I did my thing and then I left and I didn't really think much of it. And then Alex and Nick showed me the very first rough cut and I called them up, I think that night. And I said, I want in. Yeah, I, <laughs> I see there's something special about this. I didn't quite understand the vision until I saw what was going on. And then uh, we've been on this uh, ever since. We had our world premiere last year at the Vancouver International Film Festival Woo! where we won the uh, must-see BC uh, yeah. award for the most anticipated BC film. Uh, we played in a few film festivals uh, uh, internationally as well. And now we are currently looking for uh, distribution, hoping to get it out uh, early next year so uh, for all the masses to see. Yeah. Right on. That sounds super, super exciting, especially because you guys started with baby steps with the, with the short you just said. Super. So you guys went with the, uh, with the proof of concept first, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, just to go back really quickly, I met Arun Fryer actually in a movie set of a very failed green screen movie. <laughs> I, just <wanted> to, <laughs> I just wanted to mention that so that the director one day actually makes that movie. Yes. Okay. Um, okay. But anyway, yeah, I met him. He was an AD and I was a script supervisor. Um, and so we were working alongside and we were both thinking like, oh my God, this movie is a disaster. <laughs> anyway, a year passes by and I meet Alex. Uh, no, I, did, I met Alex Lachera as the director uh, here at UBC Film Production. Um, and uh, Alex made all these bizarre, weird movies that always were made people... Uh, Really uncomfortable, and um, I kind of like that. Mm-hmm, uh, I kind of mm-hmm. like movies that are challenging. I think mostly because uh, my parents always guided me that way. Uh, the movie really begins because we started, we came out of film school, and while every filmmaker who came out of film school at that point wanted to make uh, the next short film that sure. will lead them to uh, success, Alex was basically like, hey, I've done BFS, Vancouver Film School, I've done UBC, I'm done with short films. <laughs> I am so done with them. I want to make my first feature. And I basically just went along with it because I was just like, eh, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> right on, right on. I mean, you gotta, sometimes you just got to take a bigger step. And yeah. uh, the feature is probably the one bigger step that every filmmaker should take at least once in their life. Oh, oh for definitely. Sure, yeah. uh, it changes the way that people perceive you and the way that your career goes. Um, and basically, Alex and I began with one script. It was a sci-fi movie. Um, back then and we were really inspired by Kevin Smith we were really inspired by Robert Rodriguez uh, and and the entire Sundance generation all of them made uh, a very small no budget feature film off of their credit cards or anything that they could do Uh, you know Darren Aronofsky Nolan Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all these people who are extremely famous they started this way and I said to Alex we gotta start the same way we gotta make the first short like the next um, no budget feature Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that will lead to something uh, a lot more interesting. Um, the journey was quite long. We tried first with that feature film, applying to Telefilm. Yeah. Telefilm is the government organization in Canada mm-hmm. uh, that uh, runs filmmaking. We failed with that. And the character of Cadence is born out of that original sci-fi movie. He had a character called Cadence in that sci-fi oh, clear, movie. Clear. And then like a month later, he comes to me and he's like, I actually have another script now. It's cool. called Cadence. What was the one uh, event that took you guys uh, on board and really made you guys say okay we're doing this we're on top of the boat and we're going for it was there one event that flipped the cake I, I can actually re- remember that event clearly uh, actually I I had a girl over that night mm-hmm. and uh, who's now my wife and uh, oh. I thought uh, well Alex and Nick they sent me the very first rough cut and they said well take a look at it and tell me what you think and I remember telling uh, Anna I said I, I don't know if this is going to be any good I'll be honest but uh Let's just watch this anyway. So we, we put it on, we press play, and I, we kind of turned to each other after a couple of minutes with, oh, this is actually really good. No, this is really good. It, <laughs> even though it was a rough cut, we were, we were used to seeing rough cuts. We, we knew right away there's, there's something really special about this. I got Alex's vision sort of right away as soon as, as, soon as we pressed play. And like I said, immediately afterwards, I emailed them. I called them. I said, I, I want in as producer. What, how can we make this in? I want to be a part of this team. I think that there's something really really neat about this particular film right on I'll, right on I'll, I'll never forget that moment of just sort of looking at Anna almost feeling kind of 
I, I wasn't sure what to say, and uh, I thought oh, I, I was just really excited more than anything else. Right, yeah. right on. So you guys mentioned it was a long journey. How it long, was, oh, actually? Yeah. Uh, for me, it is. It started in almost started in 2012 with that sci-fi oh. original script. Mm -hmm. If you talk about how long Alex and I were trying to make the movie, um, then really it's from 2013, from the point that we made we made the short uh, film uh, that we shot it because it took a year to see it. Mm -hmm. uh, but then from the feature film being made, well, that's 2014, so now we're, you know, three years. So it's been a while. And, wow. and, yeah. and I got to say, we, we did it in a way that I wouldn't really recommend. We, we shot <laughs> 20 minutes of sort of the middle of the film. Mm. And so we had to call all the actors back and hope that they sort of looked the same and... <laughs> they had, and one of our, one of our lead actresses, she was what thirteen at the time. Yeah, she was. And so she was growing up quite a bit. So we were a little nervous. Every is everybody is this going to match at all? Is this can we take this twenty minutes and work the rest of the film around it? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, but somehow, somehow we we pulled it off, and nobody's ever really said. Oh, I mean, I've I've gotten comments from filmmakers. Only filmmakers can yeah. tell the difference mm -hmm. because they can see that the lenses are different, that it's a different cinematographer. We had five cinematographers. Mm -hmm. uh, as Cinematographer is a photographer for films. That's if anybody yeah. doesn't know that. <laughs> uh, it's the person that actually holds the cameras and makes images happen. Um, the director helps a lot in that. Yeah. Some film school for people there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, right we had five people doing yeah. cinematography. So if you are that kind of filmmaker person that can tell apart different cameras, lenses, and everything, uh, you can. Um, and then the actors, you know, they can tell because it's themselves, so they see a yeah. younger version of themselves. <laughs> right on, but right. Uh, it goes back to playing with the audience a little bit, right? Oh, for totally. sure. So you guys took the first step uh, in the direction of crowdfunding, actually. Yes. So that, that process is probably the most delicate process. So many people are actually doing that. Uh, first of all, um, do, you, do you consider your, your crowdfunding successful uh, in I the do. first place? Yeah, I do. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. For sure. I mean, it's what jump-started everything. It's, it, it was really... The main reason why I also wanted to make this movie, because I told Alex, this new technology, if we don't uh, take a grab of it right now, it's going to leave us behind. We have to learn how to do this. Yeah. This is the way that filmmakers are doing things uh, right now. Um, and that's actually what brought Arun and me together again, was we made another crowdfunding campaign. Um, and I saw it basically, which as, was a UBC film, actually. which was a UBC film, mm -hmm. yes, by I called Citizen Jane, Citizen Jane, by, <laughs> yeah, uh, by filmmaker Cara Green uh, from the MFA program, and um, that was practice for this uh, for Cadence, um, and we learned a lot. Oh, tons, yeah. yeah. We also learned it's probably not to do your crowdfunding campaign. Or end end the campaign two days before you go to picture. It's nice <laughs> yeah. to have a, a bit of a break in between. That's true. So yeah, but we we, we are, I think we built up some momentum through all did. of that, there and uh, we raised enough money to kind of get get the crew started, and um, it got also built up a lot of audience engagement, and we're, we've been carrying on ever since. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Very very interesting, right there. It seems like a like a path worth uh, worth the time of actually all the family, because three years, you know, it becomes pretty much a cadence family in there. Oh yeah, it is. It's definitely a cadence family, and um, you know, it really started with me and Alex. We would go to this coffee shop in Carysdale all the time. We had no idea who was going to help us at all, uh, but we knew our training from film school, so. For me, it was all like, well, we got to find a cast first. Uh, we did a casting session, very small, uh, very small, barely anybody showed up, but everybody came out of that casting session. Everybody who is in the movie is from that one time that we casted, except for the father. Yeah, and they're all, I think they're all local BC actors. Yes, and they're all, they're all actually exceptional yeah. in all of yeah. their roles. Uh, the uh, the character that plays the pop star is actually uh, a local singer-songwriter named uh, Charlie Kerr. Yes, Charlie Kerr. Mm -hmm. uh, our main Boys villain, him. David Kay, uh, sensational David former... David Kay, another UBC alumni. Also yeah. a UBC <laughs> alumni. And yeah. he, he used to be a bit of a child actor, and he was looking for something a little bit different. And yeah. he really gravitated towards this role. And he's exceptionally creepy. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget. I was the AD on uh, Cadence, and I remember just not wanting to be around him because he was kind of a jerk but he, no. David Kay is not a jerk yeah, but in his real life he's beautiful. in real life he's a, a lovely man but yeah. his character is just so <laughs> awful yeah. and he really brought that he was a lot of method acting how do you set. feel uh, Cadence actually helped the team to grow and actually uh, you know find its roots in the, in, the, in the community of filmmakers how much do you feel Cadence actually supported your journey as a filmmaker uh, not only as a Cadence family but individually speaking uh, okay, well, personally, I can tell you that 
um, one, I'm a better producer because of it, um, because I made every single mistake making this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then right after that, I wasn't making that many mistakes. I still, but you know, this is a hard business. Every movie is different. Uh, but um, yeah, I just came out as a better producer. But at the same time, uh, this feature film is what got me my master's degree. Um, I did a master's degree in digital media at the Center for Digital Media, which is one of the schools that belongs to UBC um, as well. And 100% uh, that's the reason I got in, because I had so much um, experience uh, sure. out of the gate. Welcome back, everybody. This is Room Tone, the show that takes filmmaking community to your ears. I'm Ruggiero, your host. This was Dimitri Shostakovich with uh, Vaults Number Two from the soundtrack uh, of Eyes Wide Shut. Um, let's dive back uh, to Nicolas Herve Barona and Arun Fry. Uh, welcome to the show. We we're just okay. talking about Cadence, the feature film you guys produced together. That's correct. Right on. So I want to uh, talk about the thematic of the project, actually, talking about identity uh, and, and slowly carving it, you know, as we go ahead with, mm -hmm. uh, with, with our lives. Uh, what is, is there an event in your life, guys, that uh, took you a little bit closer to what, what you consider yourself your own identity? Ooh. 
Wow, what a what a deep question. <laughs> it brought me to my own identity. Uh, with regards to film or with regards to... To yourself. To, to life. Yourself. To yourself and life. Uh, many events. I don't know. I can start with the probably one of the largest events in my life was moving out of Colombia when I was 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was in many ways the creation of a new identity altogether. And then moving moving to Canada was also one. And then finally, I would say joining film school changed a lot of things for me. Yeah, I, I gotta actually got to say the very first day of film school, I wasn't really sure what to expect. I was a little bit older when I started film school. I was 35. And so it was a bit of a gamble. I didn't, I'd never held a camera before. I didn't know what editing was. And, but, so I thought I'd, I just want to get into film school. And I knew right away from the very first day, this is exactly what I want to be doing for the rest of my life. And I never looked back from there. And I'll never forget that first day of thinking, this is it. This is this is what I was meant to be doing, and uh, it, it's been a hell of a ride ever since then. Beautiful. Okay, so have you guys done any any projects that previously before Canons that uh, that solidified your passion for the craft? Oh, sure. I mean, I mean, everything that I did in film school changed my life. I I knew that I always wanted to make films. Um, it's weird. It's weird to say that because I think I literally started from five years old, wanted to be a firefighter. You know, you have those like ideas that you want to be like a policeman or something like that. Uh, (laughs) And then I realized that I want to be a firefighter. And for some reason, straight away, I was like, no, you know what I like? I like TV. I like movies. And then I really like filmmaking. Um, And I never stopped thinking about that. And I think my parents were always trying to say, no, maybe why don't you, you know, yeah, we'll support filmmaking, but like, why don't you try something else or communication (laughs) like your mom or something like that? And I was like, no, filmmaking, filmmaking, filmmaking. Um, Yeah, I made at that point before Cadence, I had only done about six short films, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, because there isn't there wasn't much training in filmmaking in in the countries that I lived in before. So it was just me and my camera when I was a kid um, doing a lot of uh, uh, drawing. I used to draw Mm -hmm. a lot. How about you, Arun? Uh, sorry, can you can you repeat the question? Yeah, I'm just wondering uh, uh, where you're coming from as a filmmaker. Uh, actually, well, before this, I was uh, I AD'd another feature called Hastings Street, another uh, ultra low budget uh, Vancouver film, mm. and what I had about? Uh, sort of a. Um, uh, a crime caper, actually, but a, a criminal who's re- recently uh, released from prison and uh, kind of rediscovering his roots is based on an uh, early uh, short film by Larry Kent, who's uh, largely considered uh, Canada's very first independent filmmaker. And he uh, made his movies here at UBC. Yeah, yeah, he's a local uh, local filmmaker, and he made a short film called Hastings Street, and uh, the guys um, behind the film optioned that film, worked with Carrie and uh, Larry Kent, and turned it into a, a full feature, and they brought me on to uh, AD, and I had such a great time with that. I thought, well, this is, well, this is great, and we don't have any money, but you know, we're having the time of our lives, and we're, and the film actually turned out to be a nice little, nice little piece, yeah. and uh, I've, I've been having a blast ever since then. Mm-hmm. Awesome, awesome. So uh, right now, uh, looking back at the path, is there something you would not do? Hmm. Not do? Um, I think I I fought a few people that I shouldn't have for no specific reason. You, you <laughs> fought? Yeah, well, like verbal, <laughs> verbal fighting, not like mm. fist fighting. I've never fist fought anybody. Um, no, I just in my way through film school, uh, film school was so important to me that when any little squabble would happen, we had we had a little like dumb thing going on in a in a short film that I made once, and that led me to like uh, you know say some things that I regret. And so if those people are listening, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it kind of burned our bridges. But the th- the truth is, a friend of mine once told me who is also a filmmaker. Uh, she was. She said, "Like, hey, uh, you know, it's film. You know, unless you burn in bridges, you're not actually doing it right." <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. Okay. Do, do you agree, Arun? Uh, yeah, I think I think it's important actually to make uh, mistakes along the way. I think uh, I've learned more from my mistakes than I have from from my successes. It's easy to highlight and celebrate the successes, and that's the stuff we post on Facebook and share on Twitter. Mm. And nobody really likes to talk about all the failures that uh, got you to that particular place in time. Uh, I know I've had my fair share of um, falling on my face along the way, but I think it's important to continue to pick yourself back up. And I think you will hear more no's than yeses in this industry. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. But as my brothers like to say, 99 no's and one yes is is still a yes. (laughs) Uh, And that's one thing you really got to hold on to. And uh, I'm now teaching at uh, Vancouver Film School. 
And uh, one of the students even said that exact phrase yesterday. Uh, even if you just, if you hear 99 no's, you get one yes, that one yes could can make the, all the difference between making your film and not making your film. Mm-hmm, and I think mm-hmm. um, you just got to be persistent and resilient, I think is uh, the key word. So mm-hmm. how far do you think film school actually helped you out and supported you as an artist? Um, totally, oh, I would yeah. say. Um, that being said, once you are out of film school, it's it's uh, they. I don't think anything's going to prepare you for the moment when you leave film school. Uh, because you really don't know what to do, <laughs> right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I think film school is not for everybody, though. I think there's people who have a drive and a motivation that is so high in filmmaking because filmmaking has such high personalities that if you have that passion, you should just do a movie. But if you're somebody like me who had, um, I'd say I was much, uh, I was just shyer and I didn't talk to that many people before film school. Film school was perfect because I could mess up, do all kinds of mistakes and learn out of that, out of the gate. Um, it was a good camp in many ways, mm-hmm. right? Yep. I never had like camp. So for me, <laughs> UBC film was that. It's almost like an arena to play around. How do you feel about film school, Arun? I actually, I loved it. I, I attended Vancouver Film School and I had an absolute blast of year. It's, it's one of my favorite years looking back on my life. I learned a lot. I, like I said before, I'd never held a camera before. I, I had no idea what a boom mic was. I had to ask somebody to explain me what a jump cut was. <laughs> and I was trying to describe, you know, when they, they have the scene and things kind of move <laughs> along. And so I, I, I went in completely new. And uh, I was able to direct uh, three short films there. All of them went on to various festivals. And I had an absolute wonderful time. And I'm still in contact, close contact, with a, a lot of those people that I went to school with. And I think that's one of the strongest elements of going to film school is that you come out with a community of people, mm. which true. is really mm. tough starting out on your own because filmmaking is really, it's all about collaboration. It's all yeah. about working with your team. And unless you have a team that you're going to be collaborate, it's, it's hard to just generate that yeah. on your own. No, so totally. that coming out of that with a, a team already, with a community already that you can uh, rely on and work with, that's easily one of the strongest elements of film school totally. beyond the, the yeah. technical things that you're Ag- going to learn. Yeah. Again, if you have the drive, you can do it on your own. You can start going on sets. You can go to all the events where I met you, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But it's never the same as when you're in film school and you're kind of just stuck together for like eight hours with somebody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It forces you into a community. It's almost like a, yeah. like, a, like a little room and then you see how things evolve. Depending on the energy also that you bring in the room, it yeah. becomes a little bit of a mirror, eh? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it totally doesn't work for everybody. You know, there was a guy in my year who... His movie didn't get chosen because sometimes in film school you pitch movies and they get chosen by other people. Mm-hmm. So you sometimes don't go to film school and not make a movie. Yep. Uh, <laughs> you work on other people's movies. And this guy, he had so much drive that he said, I'm not going to stay here and not make a movie. And now he makes movies and does all kinds of things. Awesome. Um, but he left film school and it's because it wasn't for him. But f- I stayed all the way through and here I am. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. So going back to, to making the movie right after film school, we go back to Cadence and the feature length yes. movie that you guys produced mm-hmm. and right now you just you guys just did a screening also last summer at Van City Theater yeah um, and it's interesting because uh, after watching the movie when I came out of the theater uh, it's 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 fascinating because you get so many different points of view on the story and that's because the story gives you the chance to have so many different points of view on it oh, I've, I've had a few people call me up the next day and say uh so what was that about? <laughs> Which actually, I, I don't mind that question. I don't mind that question If anything, it makes me think, oh, they're, yeah. they're really struggling to put it all together. But you can tell that they yeah. want to know. There's something interesting about this particular film that you kind of, you can interpret it in a few different ways. Yeah. Alex, the writer and director, he once said to me like, oh, we, I just really want to make a movie that where people are in the shower, they go... Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get it now. I get it now, and maybe they didn't get it. Maybe they go tell their friends, and their mm. friends think that's amazing. And in case anybody who's listening, there is a bit of a twist that happens. I yes, don't want to exactly. give anything away, but <laughs> what you're seeing may not necessarily. No, be yeah, what you're seeing is totally not what it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> interesting. Sure. That's the only tip I'll give you. Yeah. Were you were you afraid to piss anybody off with that uh, with that sort of uh, mm, with those uh, little plot holes in there or well, those little twists here? I think and there? we we had a lot of discussion about how to pull off the twist, yeah. and I think at the end of the day we just realized well, this we're, is the type of film we want to make. Mm-hmm. Some people are gonna like it, some people aren't, and we did yeah. we just said 
Yeah. Who cares? That Who cares? We, this is the film we, we want to yeah. make. Weird enough, we spent a lot of the pre-production, like not necessarily actually doing the work, but actually discussing and debating oh. the story. Mm. Yeah, the story was the hardest part. That was the hardest part because, as we, as as we've, you mentioned earlier, the word plot holes, and it's like. Yeah, the movie has plot holes, but I don't, I don't, I don't care about that. You know, uh, David Lynch movies have plot holes. Uh, Star <laughs> David Wars. David Lynch films have plots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. Um, and really, that's what we were trying to create. We were trying to set a mood, a tone, yep. um, a feeling um, through the music, through the acting. Uh, we wanted to showcase the f- beautiful farm. That's the farm where Alex lives, by the way. Yep. Uh, and to show, really show kind of a slice of life of what Alex lives on the farm. Because mm-hmm. the farm's... Farms are pretty, but they're also creepy places. Yeah. Oh, it is indeed. And the yeah. movie gets very creepy. Huh? Yes. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, there's there's this specific scene. And, and we have actually the song from that from that montage here that we can play. Um, we can give it a shot and people can get an idea also of the flow and the dynamic of the movie. And we're actually going to do that right now. Why now? Yes. We're going to do okay, that right great. now. Let's do it right now. We're going to take a little break. So what you're about to hear is duct tape, the soundtrack of Cadence. Um, everybody enjoy. It's going to be a little bit of a... Of a uh, of, a, of a dynamic over here, but uh, enjoy the ride and uh, try to imagine uh, a little bit what could happen in a farm with this music. Wow, there wow. was a little bit wow. of a woo of an <laughs> adrenaline shot at the end. All right, all I, right. I, I got to give us a, a huge shout out to our composer and sound designer, Mark Domont. Mm-hmm. Uh, MarkDomont.com. He's a local uh, composer and sound designer, one of the best guys I've ever worked with. And it's amazing how many times we screen the films. Somebody always comments, oh, yeah. who did your music? Who did your sound? It's it's quite immersive, I find. Totally. Uh, and he did such an amazing job. And really, it's the music is almost a character yeah. no, uh, of the film. And it's crazy because we focused so much in the movie and not that much in the music. Like, we had music selections, and then Mark came along and changed everything. Yeah, it, it, he really brought it to a whole new level. Yeah, exactly. He got the tone of the movie straight away. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So is there something you guys were looking for specifically through this song? Uh, we had a few references. Uh, Alex had a very uh, a particular artist. Uh, Juliana Barwick. Juliana Barwick. And we originally reached out to her, but that didn't work. So we, yeah. we brought Mark the original hard song. To get, hard to get original music. And mm-hmm. so uh, Mark co- composed something that we thought was worked out even better in the end and yeah. it, it gave it a, a bit more of a, a darker mysterious edge to it yeah filmmakers fall in love all the time with music that they oh, put te- in temp music <laughs> with temporary music and um, no man you should go with a you should go with a composer because a composer can bring everything to a whole new level they can actually understand you whereas you know a track that you get online um, you know maybe has a life but it's a life for something else yep. mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm yeah, music. I mean, uh, there is no. It's 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 pretty much clear that music is is a character on its own in every single movie. And uh, you guys also play played a little bit funny 
because you in the movie you guys play actually the song of the um, of the of the boyfriend of the main character that oh, is uh, Taylor yeah, Lake. Yeah, uh, yeah, breakfast yeah, yeah. time. Breakfast time. Yes. Yes. Breakfast time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is one of my favorite songs, dude. And also uh, composed and written by Mark Dolmont and uh, Charlie Kerr. And Charlie Kerr sings it, and the lyrics are by Alex. Yeah, definitely. No, uh, part of what I wanted to do, my grand vision. Uh, in terms of marketing and production, involved actually trying mm -hmm. to make a music video for yeah. uh, oh. for the character of of Cadence's boyfriend. Uh, Cadence's boyfriend is called Taylor Lake, and mm -hmm. in the character of the world, Taylor Lake is a big uh, pop star. And when you're making a no budget film like us. Uh, you know, actually like getting at that level of being like a huge pop star is really hard to sell. So mm. in my mind, I was like, we got to at least create the song uh, yeah. of this pop star so that people can have this sense that he's actually a pop star. It's yeah. pretty amazing because the timing and the way the song uh, plays out in the movie is uh, is spot on and it works perfectly. Yeah, it's really neat. Yeah. I was uh, I was a little bit uh, whoa whoa whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I was blown away by that dynamic for sure. Yeah. Right on. So, uh, this is what we're going to do. We're going to take a little break. Uh, we're going to play some ads over here. We're going to take a little break and then we're going to dive and uh, we're going to get your uh, pitches going on. So guys, get ready because these Ooh. guys are going to pitch their own dream projects uh, right after the ads. Uh, this is Room Tone here. We talk movies because we love it. I'm going to catch up with you very soon. Welcome back, everybody. That was composer Georgi Ligeti for the soundtrack of Eyes Wide Shot, directed by Stanley Kubrick. Here we go again with uh, Nicolas Ariel Barona and Arun Fry. Fryer. 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 Woo! <laughs> Give me that fryer right there. Okay. <laughs> and uh, talking about movies, uh, producers of uh, independent feature-length movie Cadence. Now, I want to throw a challenge to you guys, which is the pitching process. Yes. So you guys have go. gonna are gonna have one minute to pitch the the project, a dream project of the future, or something that you really guys want to bring to to life. Oh, are you ready for that, Cheese? Are you ready for oh, that? Oh yeah, bring it on. All right, and the clock is starting right now. Let's give it a shot. Okay. Well, I actually I also work in documentary films, and I am currently producing and co-directing a feature documentary on bee venom therapy and the treatment for Lyme disease. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Lyme disease, but it's actually uh, quite an epidemic. The CDC recently um, released some stats, and they think that uh, up to 300,000 people a year are contacting uh, Lyme disease, and it's really it's an incurable disease and a bit of a death sentence. Right now, the infection rate is six times the rate of AIDS, and it's incurable. However, uh, through the use of bee venom, they've been finding a lot of uh, thousands of people are finding um, finding themselves getting healed taking actual honeybees and stinging themselves along the spine. And I'm working with a local filmmaker named Darcy Muentrath, and we are currently in development. We've got a demo all cut already, and we're really excited to push this forward because we think this is an important message for, to get out to the world and help people ideally fight this terrible disease 
Um, so that's that's a, a film that I'm currently working on called Venom of Life. Venom of Life from Aaron Fryer. Right on, man. Right on. Sounds super interesting. Keep, in, keep that title in mind for sure out there. Uh, Nicolas, you want to give it a shot? You want to give it a shot with that I pitch as well? I'm as ready as and I'll ever be, really. Going. I don't have a choice. Uh, <laughs> but basically, tying it up with the B movie over there, the Benham of Life movie, uh, Alex Lachers and I, once upon a time, wrote a script called B, uh, just the letter B. And B is a film that stars uh, Rosemary, a small little girl who uh, lives in a farm uh, with her father and her brother, Roman. And she wants to grow up and become a journalist. And she discovers a beehive in the back of the property. She starts reporting on this beehive uh, as a game because she's very small. Uh, mean, in the meantime, her dad and her brother are dealing with poachers in the back of the property. But unbeknownst to her, both the poachers and the beehive are connected to an alien cocoon thing that is growing in the back. So it's a, I would call an alien and strangers meet things meets cadence. <laughs> <laughs> right on, and that's it for the club. Wow, so you guys got those farms going on all over the place. Totally. Okay, yeah, okay. That's, that's the bird. And, and those bees as well. Okay, <laughs> yeah. not bad at all. I, I didn't see that coming at all. Super interesting. <laughs> nice, nice. Okay, so uh, who's familiar with the show? Uh, they know about the Proust questionnaire that is going to take place right now. Ooh. So Proust is a French novelist, uh, adjective-driven uh, uh, narration over here. Yeah. Uh, I would say uh, he wrote 35 questions because he believed that he could uh, define someone's true identity through those 35 questions. So right. what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick five randomly right now, okay. and then uh, we're just going to go okay. for it, and for sure. uh, we're just going to get to know each other a little bit better, okay? I was just saying, Proust is the kind of guy that people bring up when they want to be really intellectual. <laughs> 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 well, yeah, I've read Proust and Foucault. And right on, and right on. Okay, are you ready? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask sure. you this because it's, it's part of the theme in a way. Uh, but uh, for who you are, uh, what is the trait that you most deplore in yourself? Arun. Oh, gosh. I, I tend to sweat a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it really bugs me. Uh, uh, I, 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 I get really nervous, and then I, I get a little sweaty, and it really bothers me. I've, I've struggled with that my whole life. I, I'm actually going to go with that as well, but not sweating <laughs> specifically. <laughs> I think anxiety. I get really mm. anxious, and that has stopped me from doing a lot of things in life that how, I should be doing. How come, like, uh, how come, where do you feel that anxiety is coming from? Where, if, if you are comfortable no talking idea. about it. I should totally, like, see a therapist <laughs> or something about it. I don't know. I have no, I've, it's always been with me. And then it's just something that through time and history I've been able to control. Um, when I was a kid, I think, um, I think just anxiety was always part of me, social anxiety and anxiety of doing things. Uh, my parents always thought it was motivation, but now I think I look at it now and I realize, no, it's just always I had these like butterfly feelings in my stomach. That was annoying. Well, that's much deeper than stinky armpits. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, when you go low, I go high. <laughs> right on, 100 points for that answer right there. <laughs> not bad. But, well, that feeling over there is something that everybody can relate to you. You know, yeah. sometimes it might not even be anxiety in itself, just even excitement for something, you know, and yeah. and it's something that is so common out there because uh, right now the ability to socialize out there is is, is kind of disappearing a little bit because everything is getting through that screen, you know, and the beauty is that, you know, uh, we come here and we, we come all together as a family here in Vancouver, filmmakers, artists, I'm talking about uh, any type of visual storyteller or artist in himself. Uh, we just come together and communicate and it mm -hmm. goes back to communication constantly. Yep and communication with the outside, but also with the inside. And so I'm going to ask you, uh, related to the question before, what is your greatest fear? Actually, believe it or not, my greatest fear used to be bees. <laughs> oh, <laughs> when wow. I was about five years old, I accidentally I stepped on a, a beehive, and I got around 300 bee stings. And luckily, my mom was nearby. She picked me up and threw me to, into a public pool and was able to uh, almost save my life. Um, and so I struggled with bees for the longest time. And earlier this summer, we were shooting out uh, at some bees hives for this <laughs> documentary. And there was bees all around me. And it took everything that I had just to sort of remain calm and not freak out. Uh, so bees have always been uh, a bit of a nemesis of mine. That and snakes after watching Indiana Jones as a small <laughs> child. Mm. <laughs> nice. uh, uh, what's my greatest fear? Is yeah. Question? Do, 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 uh, good question. Um, I'm gonna go with public speaking. Mm. Um, yeah, I think I always, I always just had a problem talking out loud. Um, 
probably because in my family and in Colombia everybody's so loud and I just wasn't. Mm. That's what I think. Yeah. Um, but now I'm, I'm actually pretty good at it. Like yeah. I, after my master's degree and uh, film and everything in general, I've just become much more. And this is a, something that, of the last two years. Um, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, you're on a radio show and a high five, man. You yeah, got a I know. high Thank five you. in the booth, man. <laughs> I mean, that's really amazing right there, overcoming yeah. the fears. Absolutely. Nice. That's yeah. that's part of the game, eh? Yeah, oh, for sure. I, th I think as a, as a filmmaker, you really got to get used to being able to totally. pitch your film, sell yourself. Because yeah. a lot of the time, in, investors, they'll, they'll get behind you, but only if they believe in you. So they want to see that passion. They want to see that energy. Yeah. It really forces you to come out of your shell in, in a lot of the ways. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So talking about pitching, actually, we have a question right here from Proust. He's, going, he's asking, which words or phrases do you most overuse? <laughs> uh, I tend to use the word amazing quite a bit. <laughs> I find <laughs> a lot right, of things right, really right. amazing. You are amazing. You are amazing. Well, I mean, we're all amazing in our own words, in our own right. way. But I, I find I, I use the word amazing way too much. I get really excited. I get quite passionate <laughs> about a lot of things. That's great. Uh, just hearing myself, even in this booth, I think I use the word totally all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Right on. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Uh, let's, let's get to the fourth question of the Proust questionnaire. What do you regard as the lowest depth of misery? Whoa. In my own life or just in general? <laughs> no, in general, in general. Oh, wow, the that lowest is deep, depth eh? of wait, wait, misery. Wait, can, uh, say it again, say it again. What do you regard as the lowest depth of misery? Misery. Um, not, I don't know how to put it, but not being able to move forwards, I guess. Mm, being stagnant, in Being a way. stuck, yeah. Mm. I think if you're stuck, that's the worst. It in, doesn't matter what, mentally, financially, or whatever. Whenever you're in a limbo, uh, it's hard to see the light at the end of the time. This may be a little shallow, but failed hard drives. <laughs> I've, I've lost yeah. some valuable footage along the way, and yes. I felt absolutely... I've, I've cried a couple times over yeah. a hard drive that, that fell off a table, and it was quite miserable, actually. The thing is, it's not so much that you're losing the footage, but it's all the people that yeah, have worked the on the film. Yeah. And so you take that, all of their energy, that they poured hours and hours into making this and then they leave it to your responsibility and then you you screw it up something happens the hard drive breaks and then trying to recreate yeah. it all over again is and it's is, up to you to explain to them oh yeah it's terrible it's person by person yeah you know yeah, there is a little story actually uh, that I live myself about hard drives, but uh, um, it's 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 been a little bit crazy because I uh, got my backpack stolen, oh. Uh, oh. and inside I had uh, a, a bunch of stuff, but inside I also had uh, the hard drive with some oh. with lots of projects yeah. and there lots of interesting juicy stuff. Uh, from uh, all, all sorts of files and and uh, talking about DaVinci Resolve files, huh? but uh, what's <laughs> happening basically? Uh, I found the hard I found my backpack there uh, later in Hastings, so I found oh, it oh, back. Wow. But the hard drive was not inside. Oh. Oh, yeah. And what happened is, uh, it was last year before I would go to back to Italy. Three days before I taking my plane, I went to Hastings to just uh, you know uh, wrap it up, wrap everything up. And they were selling the hard drive in the market there. No way. Yeah. Wow. They you were found selling it the there. The hard drive. The hard drive. Oh, and wow. the files were, were already in there. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. It was pretty That's crazy. That's a crazy story. Like, uh, the magic of life will take you on some journeys if you, if you let life take you on those journey of course you got to be open up to that it's pretty interesting yeah, yeah. Wow. Maybe, maybe you could took it take a look at my hard drives you seem to have a magical <laughs> <Yeah>. touch <laughs> Go to these okay fifth question fifth question of the proust questionnaire what is your greatest regret wow H how long do we have <laughs> <laughs> let's just go for it just go i think arun's it. got pretty better ones he's lived longer <laughs> oh my, my 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 greatest regret uh probably not starting out in film earlier in life uh, I wish I had started out. Uh, what, one of my um, one of my early collaborators in film school was a, a kid named Jackson Harper, and he started out in film school a week after he graduated high school. And I just remember looking and I'm thinking, oh, I, I wish I was you. Mm. Instead, I'm <laughs> twice as old as you. Um, so I, I do wish I had started out in life because now I feel like I, I'm rushing now to to catch up in time. Um, but I, I th that's a bit of a, a regret of mine that I, I just mm -hmm. hadn't discovered it earlier in life. Mm-hmm. Nicholas, um, I think to a certain extent I can say the same about um, being a kid and not wanting to make movies and not knowing how to make them. Uh, but I also think that 
my experiences have led me where I am. So it's kind of hard for me to say, oh, regret, regret. If I regret anything was ever what I said previously, just like fighting with somebody over something that was stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, and I just remembered one more. I, uh, a few years ago, a friend of mine said, ah, if you have any extra money, if you, if you want to invest in something, I, I know this really great thing to buy. It's called Bitcoin. <laughs> and I think it was around 15 cents oh, a Bitcoin. Boy. And I thought, oh, what is the digital current 15 yeah. cents oh forget it uh, uh, he's like oh come on a couple hundred bucks no forget it yeah. forget it and now what is it like six thousand seven thousand wow no idea you make a lot of money yeah yeah it's the ability to foresee huh? that's yes. that's that's a great one of the greatest gifts actually mm-hmm. so we're wrapping up the episode here at room tone i want to ask you how can people reach you uh Oof, we have a lot of places uh the main home for everything cadence is facebook.com slash cadence the film mm-hmm. the main website is cadence the film.com everything literally is cadence cadence the film, the film. Cadence the film. uh i'm at uh, nicolas the movie on twitter uh probably on facebook uh just you can look up nicolas Ayerbe on facebook uh, uh my personal email is nicolas at cadence the film.com uh, you can reach me, uh, type in Aaron is Arun, A-A-R-O-N-I-S-A-R-U-N. You'll find me. Uh, yes. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> that's the only, yeah, I'm everywhere. Awesome. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, blah, blah, blah. Just to wrap it up, we're going to put all those links in the description of the podcast so that people can reach you. Real quick, an advice for the filmmakers out there. Do it. Get out there, grab a camera, just start making it. That's one nice thing about living in today's age. Everything's uh, cheaper, easier to do. You don't need much. You can make movies on your iPhone now. So if, I, if there's one piece of advice, just start making movies. Nicolas? Yeah, uh, set yourself goals. I'd say if you want to be a DOP, tell yourself, okay, I'm going to stop working as a barista for two months and I'm going to DOP for those two months and see where that takes me because I bet you after those two months you'll be a DOP for the rest of your life. Awesome. Yeah. Sounds great. Okay, this was Room Tone, the show that takes filmmaking's community to your ears. Ruggiero, your host. We talk movies because we love it over here. It's all about love, love, love. Okay, uh, if you guys want to dive uh, into into our booth or here at UBC, just uh, send me an email at listen to roomtone at gmail.com. We had Nicolas Ayerbe Barona here and Arun Fryer. Uh, until next Wednesday, 2 o'clock, we go live every Wednesday uh, here from Vancouver. Now I'm going to leave you to uh, a little bit of a... Of a of a song from a dear friend. Uh, his name is Amadeus. I don't know if you guys know about him, but yeah, it's, it's a great coming. Movie, by the way. It's coming from the soundtrack of Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah, enjoy. This is Requiem. Ciao, Rex. everybody. Enjoy. Thank you. Mm-hmm.